So uh, I'd ask you to listen to this for a minute. In the fall of 2020, I was living my dream of being a Division I soccer player. But everything came tumbling down when I stood up for what I believed in and refused to kneel with my teammates in support of Black Lives Matter. I've been playing soccer since I was three years old. It's all I've ever known. And I always wanted, I always wanted to play for Virginia Tech. My parents went there and I grew up going to the school's football games. So it really was a dream come true when I started playing on the soccer team in 2018. This is girls soccer. My first two seasons were great. Playing soccer provided me with structure and discipline and I loved my teammates. We had a really special bond and practically became sisters. But in the 2020 season, everything changed. In the wake of George Floyd's murder and protests around the country, some of my fellow players started advocating for wearing Black Lives Matter shirts and armbands during warm-ups. All of a sudden, the locker room became this really uncomfortable, toxic place where some players wanted to force their activism on the entire team. Of course, I believe in black lives mattering. And I think our country has a lot of work to do. But I don't support the organization. I did my research and I take exception to aspects of their mission like dismantling the nuclear family, defunding the police. Everything came to a fever pitch in the September game against the University of Virginia. That's when the team reps decided we would kneel while a unity statement about Black Lives Matter was read before the game. But the rest of us weren't shown the statement ahead of time. I went into the game knowing that I wasn't going to kneel in support of something I didn't even get to read. Standing up, literally, for what I believe in is just who I am. I was raised by a family that taught me to stick to my principles no matter the cost. When the moment came, I actually wasn't nervous about standing. It felt like just a few seconds and when it was over, I thought the whole situation was behind me. Well, it wasn't. She goes on to say that uh, during halftime of that game, the coach lit into her, screaming at her, finger in her face, at the end of the game, uh, she was blamed by him for the loss. She was taken out of the starting lineup. She went from being, uh, she'd been on the, on the field more playing time than anybody on the team. She went from that to being benched. So she was stunned. She couldn't believe this coach's reaction. Well, it got worse. Uh, she says this, socially I was canceled and ostracized. While a few teammates stuck by my side, many turned against me. People were so quick to judge and call me names, even after they'd been my friend and teammate for three years. When my fellow players and my coach turned against me, I decided enough was enough, and I left the team. I missed out on three seasons playing the sport that I love, all for simply standing on a field. As Division I athletes, we're given a great platform that allows us to speak out for what we believe in. But pressuring players to conform to a narrative 
that they're uncomfortable with is wrong. Anyway, she quit the team. She sued the coach. They agreed to a settlement. She was awarded uh, $100,000. She graduated in 2021. She's now studying nursing. This is what she said at the end. But this is so much bigger than just me and my story. I've had athletes from other schools and people from around the world reach out and tell me the same thing happened to them, that they'd been put in the position of having to sacrifice a position, a job, or even friendships over politics. I know this is an issue for so many people, and especially young people, but my advice, but my advice is to never sacrifice your morals and principles out of fear of being judged. And if you do lose your friends for staying true to yourself, then question whether they ever really were friends. Going against the grain can be difficult emotionally, physically, and mentally, but I do it all over again. I hope my story inspires other people to stay true to what they believe in. When you stand up for your principles and don't conform to the mob mentality, you learn just how many people actually agree with you. Courage is contagious. And now this gospel. As he was walking along the sea, he saw two brothers casting a net into the sea. He said to them, come after me and I'll make you fishes of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers. They were in a boat mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left their boat. You know, what happens when you leave your boat? You know, if you fish for a living, your boat's a pretty big deal. No boat, no fishing. No fishing, you're out of a job. So the boat for a fisherman has got to be like security and safety, familiarity. And he tells them, these four brothers, or these two sets of brothers, walk away from it. Walk away, step out and away from what you know and what's safe and familiar. And they do. And that's scary, maybe even dangerous. For that college kid, that girl, The boat would have just been like, just kneel. It's safer to kneel. But she wouldn't. She stepped out of the boat into uncertainty, into danger, into struggle. And I, you know, I think that's what he calls us to do. He did to those four fishermen. If he did it to them, on some level, in some way, he must be asking the same of us. And I think that's just what that college kid did. It just would have been easier to conform, right? Just kneel, don't rock the boat. She not only rocked the boat, she stepped out of it. I mean, isn't that what Rosa Parks did? Just get up. Rosa, get up. 
Move your seat. Get up and go to the back. You know, everybody knows on a, on a general level her story, right? We heard about Rosa Parks as kids, as we should. But I read a little bit more about that moment and her story. You know, on the buses back then, they put these signs. So you had like the first four seats in the front, rows of seats were the white section. Right behind that was the, what they call the colored section. The black people sat in the back. But the sign was movable. So what would happen is if, if, the, if the, the front section, the white section got crowded and there was no longer room for white people to sit as they were getting on the bus, the bus driver gets up, takes the sign, and he goes back three or four rows. So if you happen to be a black person who was sitting in the, the black section, it's now just been moved further back. So you just lost your seat. So you'd have to get up and go to the back of the bus. And they said, well, if there was no room in the back, then you stood. And they said, if it got crazy crowded, they threw you off the bus. So in the middle of wherever, you had to get off the bus because it was no longer a seat for you. You had one, but it was taken from you. You know, when she was sitting, Rosa, she was with three other black people. There were four of them together in the, the, the colored section. The bus driver said, all right, it's too crowded now. You got to go to the back. The three of the other four with Rosa, they got up and moved. She didn't. This is what she said in her autobiography. People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that's not true. I wasn't tired physically or no more than I usually was at the end of a working day. I wasn't old. I was 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. I knew that as I was being arrested that it was the very last time I would ever ride in humiliation of this kind. So she stepped out of her boat. What's your boat look like? Is there some situation in our lives, some circumstance that is maybe too comfortable? In the course of like enjoying the comfort of that place, that boat, we're compromising stuff. We're becoming less than we were called to be and we're just not getting out of the boat. We're not being disciples. Last week, there was this uh, NHL player. Uh, he plays for the uh, Philly, Philadelphia Flyers. He's a defenseman. His name is Ivan Pavarov. Some of you, I'm not really a hockey guy, but I'm sure if you are, you know him. Even if you're not, you may have heard this story. The Flyers, the Philly Flyer organization, they were doing a kind of like a special night at one of their games this week. It was going to be like a, a pride night, a night in which they promoted awareness for uh, LGBTQ people, inclusion, really awareness more than anything. So to kind of support that, the, uh, the Flyers decided they were going to wear rainbow jerseys uh, for the warm-up before the game. And they did, except this guy, Ivan. 
He, wouldn't, he said he wasn't going to wear one. Um, he didn't participate. It wasn't like he went out during the warm-up without the jersey. He just didn't warm up. He didn't want to create uh, a story, but he said, I'm not going to wear the jersey. Actually, this is what he said right after the game because he was swarmed by the media. He said, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. And that's all I'm going to say. And that's all he said. They continued to kind of ask him questions. Like, it's that simple. This is what I believe. The head coach of the Flyers stood by him. He said this, he brings, he's being true to himself and his religion. It's what I respect about him. He's always true to himself. Later on, I guess that night, there was a radio interview with the, the coach again. And he said this, he said, it's his beliefs. I think people need to respect other people's beliefs and not force their thoughts onto other people. I mean, isn't that refreshing? Don't you hear so little of that, it seems like, anymore? It's like we're becoming Alabama in the 1950s. If you don't agree with what you know, the prevalent mindset is, like you're done, you're, you're out, you're fired, you're canceled. We'll ruin as much of you as we can. But it's kind of nothing new. I mean, look at this. Look at the new statue we got here. Look at Ignatius. Look what's down by Ignatius' feet. Look at the lion. It's the same story. You know, we didn't put a lion in there because he liked lions. It wasn't a pet. That lion ate him. He was fed to the lions at the Colosseum. Because people said, you need to think a certain way or we're going to feed you to them. All right, we're not doing that today, thank God. But you know what we are doing is we're feeding people's careers to the lion. We're feeding people's reputation to the lions. If you don't surrender your values, your, your, your religious beliefs, we'll feed you to lions of some kind. And that soccer player, and that hockey player, and Rosa Parks, they said, no, we're just not. And those four fishermen, those two sets of brothers, you know how it ended for the four of them? Three of them were, were murdered, the apostles. One of them, one of those four, John, he was sort of like exiled on an island. Like you step out of the boat and, you know, you're going to pay a price of some kind. But who asked us to step out of the boat? I mean, Jesus said, come on. If you want your life to matter, if you want to stand for something, if you want to be true and make a difference, get up and get out of that boat where it's too safe or maybe too politically correct. And hey, you know, this is complicated stuff. And I'm up here at a microphone and, you know, nobody else gets to speak. I know, I know. And these issues are complicated. And proximity is a big deal in life. Like, hey, we teach values. We teach ideals. This is the way we're supposed to be. And the reality is, stuff happens in life, and it's not always so easy to, to hit the bullseye. I know. But we can't stop reaching for the bullseye. 
We can't stop teaching and preaching truth. And the more we do, the more we step out of the boat, whatever the boat is, the more of a price we pay. That's scary, and that takes courage. But I think it's courage that comes from God. He's always telling us, God, to not be afraid. Look at the psalm. The psalm we heard a little while ago. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. So I shouldn't be afraid of anybody. Who should I fear? Wait for the Lord with courage. Be stout-hearted and wait for the Lord. Don't be afraid. Let's be honest for a moment. All of us. Is there something that we're afraid of? I need to be more of a disciple. And I know I'm not. I know he's calling me to get out of the boat, and I'm like clinging to it. Something I need to say, and I've just been dodging it. Some change I need to make in my life. Something's not right. Something's not okay. And I'm scared to death to challenge it. Let's take a page from that soccer player's book, or that hockey player, or Rosa Parks, or those four fishermen. Don't be afraid to step out of your boat.